Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings. slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to a brand new episode of the cast. We're excited you're joining us today as we jump into another rousing journey of discovery, unpacking the life of a New Testament character. Now, I don't want to sell this particular individual short, but he's got quite a tale to tell. That's right, we're doing another snakebird profile. You know this question's coming. Who are we profiling today, Stephen? Alright guys, we're super glad that you tuned in and we are going to be discussing a character that you've most likely heard described as the wee little man. <laughs> and if that didn't tip you off well enough, then either you didn't go to Sunday school as a child or your Sunday school teacher failed you miserably. That's right. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure every uh, Sunday school teacher to ever be has done a real good job ingraining that truth in children. Yes. <laughs> um, and the fact that Zacchaeus is short does play a noteworthy role in the story. And it- I said it, Zacchaeus. Oh, there you go. It's not a tall tale. No. It's, it's actually pretty short. Yeah. <laughs> now they understand. Well, I read something that where it was like, that was such a big hit in the children's ministry area, the wee little man, because like yeah. it related. The kids were like, I'm short too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I never really thought about it that way. It's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I thought that was funny too, where they're like, I get this guy. I <laughs> exactly. like climbing trees. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. That's right. So it's the story of Zacchaeus, and he is found in Luke 19. We don't see a ton of page time for him. In fact, the whole story takes less than a minute to read. So not a lot about him, but um, Luke, who wrote this gospel, who was a doctor and a very detailed writer, he had a really good reason for recording this event that went down. Uh, I noticed several scholars hinted that Luke's audience was primarily non-Jewish Christians, and I believe that one of the reasons Zacchaeus' story is so important is because it shows God's desire to include or graft in the outcast. Um, he was a Jew, but he was not looked at like a child of Abraham. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, yeah, it's it's the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. He was about as far from a Jew that a Jewish person could be. Yeah, he really was. He was he was considered an outcast. He was one who had chosen to work against his own people, uh, identified with the Romans who were oppressing um, so he, he was not identifying as a Jew at all. Jews especially hated him. Yeah, which is funny because his name means pure one or righteous one. Mm-hmm. And uh, the beginning of his story, he's anything but. Yeah, that is very true. And I think I'm just going to go ahead and lay out the beginning of this story. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. So the miracles um, of Jesus had been spreading throughout the grapevine like wildfire, um, and he was entering Jericho. Crowds of Jericho were gathering as Jesus made his way into the city. And just like any other scene, the people were swarming all around Jesus, uh, some in hopes of being healed, no doubt, and then uh, just mere curiosity of who this new prophet was. It was just an exciting event that was moving through town. And before we jump into the story, I I found something really cool here that just kind of enters the the beginning of this story, something a commentator uh, drew a parallel. I'm going to just read that real quick to uh, springboard us off into this. Jesus has just about finished his journey to Jerusalem that started 10 chapters earlier. And just like the journey of Israel in the wilderness ended with them passing through Jericho, so Jesus passes through Jericho. In both Jerichos, you have a hostile group of people, the crowd here and the inhabitants of Jericho in Joshua. And in each story, there is one exception, one convert, one faith and unexpected one, 
a prostitute in Joshua, and a tax collector here, whose home will be the place of their transformation. Notice the Canaanites are parallel to the Israelite crowds here. Israel has been Canaanized and needs to be reconquered, but this time the warfare and the weapons will be different. Wow. So I found that really cool. Oh, yeah. It's just that because you find it, I find it fascinating because we know through so many examples, Jesus used typology in what he did with his first coming. You know, so so Jonah in the whale, Jesus was in the belly of the earth, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So I just found it really cool angle of study as Jesus entered the city of Jericho. And I almost wonder if he had a sense of deja vu thinking, yep, we're here again. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and for ears to hear, let's talk about the gospel through this guy I prepared to meet named Zacchaeus. That's right. What a cool parallel. Yeah, I thought it was wow. pretty neat. And um, that's what's going on as Jesus is entering town. The crowds are swarming him. And Zacchaeus is interested as well. But Josh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Zacchaeus, his profession, what he what he was. Okay, so right off the bat, the scripture tells us a couple different things about him. One that we've already mentioned, and we could probably run it into the ground with puns, but he's, <laughs> he's a little short. Yeah, yeah. And uh, another thing that it tells us is that he's very wealthy. And then the third thing that it tells us is possibly how he got that wealth, which was his profession as a tax collector. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but a chief tax collector. And so, of course, my study kind of led me down rabbit holes looking at tax collectors in the Bible. And what I found out was they are generally accepted as bad dudes. They're seen Mm -hmm. by their people as apostates and even traitors. It's interesting because a lot of the time you found out that tax collectors in Israel were actually excommunicated. There's that story in Luke chapter 18, verse 11, that Jesus tells about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector standing over there. (laughs) Because, I mean, it shows them that they're looped in with this really kind of gnarly crowd. And uh, then it says, and the tax collector standing afar off because they're not allowed near the temple to worship. I mean, essentially, the moment that they took on that mantle, they were excommunicated. And then in Matthew 18, uh, 17, in reference to someone who was refusing church discipline, as Jesus is giving this instruction, he says, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Wow. Even out of the mouth of Jesus. Yeah. Which we've talked about this verse might in fact mean like love him back into the kingdom or show him so much love, even though he's outside the walls of the church. Mm -hmm. There is that uh, implication of saying, hey, you're not welcome here as long as you're not repentant. Yeah. But there is still that indication of like love them even as they are sinners. Uh, Still, still sort of reaching out. Yeah. But it's a classification of like tax collector. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then we find out that tax collectors were so hated because a lot of times the implication is that they took extra off the top. John the Baptist infers that this is the case in Luke chapter three, verses 12 and 11, saying, even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked him, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. And so the thought there is that Rome required so much and they could ask for a little bit extra 
keep some for themselves and then only pay what was needed to Rome, that there were set um, limits on what they needed to collect. So it was pretty much a done thing that if you were a tax collector, that's pretty much how you acted. You got more than you were supposed to. Typically, yeah. Yeah, and, wow. And even John the Baptist is like, okay, you can still be holy yeah. as a tax collector, but it means that you're not going to be able to extort the people. Yeah. It wasn't something similar said to like Roman soldiers as well. Yes, right then. Soldiers asked, what should we do? Yeah. And he goes, well, don't be cruel. And I read something about that, that they actually might have been Jewish soldiers that were accompanying the tax collectors as they went around um, getting from the people. Trader squared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tax collector yeah. alongside the Roman. Which is kind of neat because in that whole... Uh, part of Luke chapter three shows that there was such revival going on and so many people were being baptized by John the Baptist that he was out there instructing almost the whole nation of Israel in um, ways of righteousness as he was saying, prepare the way of the Lord. I'm, you know, I'm coming. Yeah. Yeah, You know, so um, I found this. Alfred Edersheim, in his book, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, cites the Talmud and relays that tax collectors were either known as gabe or mocks. And so gabe were general collectors. Uh, They were responsible typically for collecting taxes on property, income, and polls. Okay. And then you have mocks which collected on imports, exports, goods for domestic trade, virtually anything transported on the road. They set tolls on roads and bridges, taxed beasts of burdens and axles on wagons. Uh, I'm starting to make a song out of this. Beasts of burdens and axles on wagons. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> they uh, charged tariffs on parcels, letters, and anything that they could find to place a tax on. And it was here that they could really take advantage of people and start excessively skimming off the top. Uh, Most sources that I read think that Zacchaeus was a chief or head mocks, while Matthew, Jesus's eventual apostle, was a little mocks. Uh, He was a lesser mocks because uh, it indicated that he was in like a set tax booth near possibly a trade route or um, a road. And if I saw correctly, isn't the Gospel of Luke the only one that calls him a chief tax collector? Yes. Yeah, it's the only place... Well, that's the only book that he's even mentioned. Well, yeah, it's the only place that a chief tax collector is even mentioned. Gotcha, okay. So there are other instances of tax collectors being mentioned, but this is the only place that a chief tax collector is mentioned. The hierarchy is exposed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And I think it's like Architellanus. Okay. That's like the... That's Greek That was the Greek... (laughs) 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 That was the Greek word for it. And it was funny because it said Matthew was in a tax booth, which cracks me up because I always think of Peanuts and Lucy's in like that booth that says the psych is in or the doctor's in. (laughs) (laughs) She gives uh, psychiatric treatment to Charlie Brown. I don't know why, but I always imagined him in this little makeshift booth, like bring your taxes. The millennials are like, who's he talking about? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. Charlie Brown, Peanuts. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's an old man's game. That's good. Uh, do you want me to keep going about taxes? Because, man, it's yeah. a, it's an intriguing subject. Right? I have one thing that I oh, found. please. Yeah, so I, I saw one commentator uh, noted this about the particular office of Zacchaeus in the region he was in. Uh, he says, The collection of customs at Jericho, which at this time produced and exported a considerable quantity of balsam, mm-hmm. was undoubtedly an important post and would account for Zacchaeus being a rich man. And I, I looked up balsam, and it, it was a um, it's a medicinal 
um, spice yeah. that would be used for, for medicinal purposes and covering odors and stuff. So it was highly sought after for the, the upper class. So it was a, and it was a region that exported it and imported yeah. it a lot. So he was in a region. It'd be like if you're in Texas like we are living in Houston where the trade of oil comes mm-hmm. in and out like crazy. Or so, cotton. Yeah, or where, yeah, it was yeah. a big money maker. Yeah, in terms of balsam, I read something about uh, Mark Anthony purchasing Cleopatra a substantial amount. Oh, okay. So, wow. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. I love tying history together. Yeah, like that. that's really cool, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so they were also called publicans. Like um, tax collectors could also be known as publicans. And so in reading about this, I found that capitalists agreed to pay a substantial sum into the publicum, which is the treasury. And so they received the name of publican. And so it sounded like this all came about by people purchasing in to this trade because I went on to read that publicans were men who bought tax franchises from the Roman emperor and then extorted money from the people of Israel. This money was added to the Roman treasury and also padded the pockets of the tax collectors. And so um, it was saying that tax collectors had little to no moral integrity and they they wouldn't hesitate to use force often provided by Roman soldiers to get their pay. They were considered the despicable lowlifes of society and were treated as such. So is is a publican? It's not correlated to the like the American Republican, is it? No, it's not like no. a post biblical publican. No, no. Okay. No. <laughs> and then um, I heard this theory the other day, and I I researched as much as I could, and I couldn't find anything to substantiate it, but I wanted to present this anyway. Is that um, the Jewish men who were tax collectors were even the more hated, reviled, and ostracized because this person said that they had sold their God-given ancestral land in order to afford to pay for the tax franchise to become a publican. Oh, wow. And so all the way back, coming out of the Exodus, when the children of Israel were entering the Promised Land, the land was divided up by tribes and then by clans and then by families. And that land, even if you had to sell it, it would revert to your possession during the year of Jubilee. And so God had set that up saying, I'm going to establish my people on this land forever. And then if that was the case, that they sold that land in order to buy into this franchise, the people around them would have just it would have caused so much hate and anger because it would have been the ultimate forsaking of their faith, of their God, of their uh, identity even. That's awesome. I had not found that. And that is really, that's a, a really intriguing thing to think about. Yeah. And what so, a trade. I mean, you think about these people, I almost wonder when they saw them, if they didn't like do the whole spit on the ground thing, you know, oh, yeah. just don't come around me, which is why Zacchaeus may need to climb a tree. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. That's, that's everything I had on taxes. I hope you're still awake. <laughs> <laughs> well, it explains why the man was hated. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, he, he climbs a tree because he is a very a man of short stature. <laughs> he's vertically challenged. Yeah. And he he's very interested in Jesus. He, he clearly can see that he's not going to see. And so he runs down the road. He's like, I got to get to high ground. Mm-hmm. And that's precisely what he does. He goes down the street. Um, he happened to pick the right tree that Jesus was going to walk under. Yeah. 
Yeah, no coincidence. I think Jesus knew it was coming. Oh, yeah. But instead of just getting a good look at him, Zacchaeus gets a great deal more from Jesus mm-hmm. as he approaches it. Yeah. I thought this was interesting, just to interject for one second. It talked about how he ran, and then he climbed a tree. And it was completely out of his curiosity and wanting to see Jesus, but it was also unusual for a man, especially a wealthy official, to do either of those things. Yeah, it would be. I mean, just considered uncouth. Yeah, he's. I mean, he was that curious. He uh-huh. wanted to. I mean, you know, the word of Jesus, like we said earlier, it was spreading. Across yeah, the yeah. Just a I mean, few miles away, somebody had been resurrected, I believe, and and I wonder. We've talked about in the past about how the Holy Spirit comes alongside you mm-hmm. and before you know you make the commitment. And I don't know if that's exactly what was going on or not, but I do wonder if it was more than curiosity on Zacchaeus's part. Oh yeah, if he was like. He he felt this yearning to be to be saved. Yeah, uh, possibly even if he didn't know that what that was at the moment. Well, it's so neat to think about history and how like from what Jesus knows, these two are on a crash course to meet. Yeah, like it's it's gonna happen. It is, and I mean, like we said, he climbed the tree. Jesus gets up there and he stops, looks up at Zacchaeus in the tree. Remember, there's people all around, yeah. huge crowd. crowds, and he tells him the following in verse five of chapter nineteen in Luke. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And that's just, it's just a crazy thing to think about, because Jesus is walking, it's this (laughs) giant swarm of people, and then it's all just like, time stops. And then he looks up, come down, we're going to go eat dinner. Singles one person out, up in a tree. Exactly. And I I wonder what, how fast Zacchaeus' heart was beating at this point. It's like... Is he talking to me? He's, he's like looking up back at him and there's a bird behind him. He's like, <laughs> he's like wait, is he talking to me? Or? What's your name? Yeah, he's looking diagonally, Zacchaeus. Yeah. Well, I just, I almost want to imagine that the whole crowd stopped and Jesus's head just starts to slowly pivot up. And it's just yeah. like, Zacchaeus. And he's like, what? And then everyone else's head pivots up. Yeah. yeah. And then they all knew who he was. Oh, yeah. And so this sparked something in them, too. <laughs> they sound very Midwestern. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really, it, it not only blew Zacchaeus's mind, but it also blew the minds of all of those watching. Uh, we get the usual responses from these religious leaders as they grumble because of the profession of Zacchaeus. We just talked about that. But, um, you know, time and time again, we see that Jesus has a heart for the sick, not those who are healthy in their own mm-hmm. mind. And uh, we see that Zacchaeus gladly hurries down, and he takes Jesus up on this offer for dinner. And uh, what happens next, it just keeps unfolding more and more amazing. Yeah, yeah. It says that he took him to his house with great excitement and joy. I mean, for a while there, I wanted to teach this to a, a set of like high schoolers and call it Zach the Squirrel, of him like squirreling up a tree and yeah. being squirrely to his neighbors and everything. And then yeah. all of a sudden, Jesus just singling him out and saying, I'm coming to your house. And then to be a beat reporter and go around and be like, so how do you feel about this? Yeah. Machaim or Malachi and like have them all just standing there like out of anyone in Jericho whose house he could have gone to. I was reading um, that at the time there might have been 10,000 priests in Jericho. Wow. And that's a lot of priests. That is. It sounds outrageous. I, yeah. I mean, that's a couple of the commentary, like not just one, but a couple said that. Yeah. And how offended would they have been going out of 
anyone in this town that Jesus could have accepted an invite from yeah. or gone to their house, he chooses not just a tax collector, but the chief one, like the chief one who probably gets a cut of every single dirty, rotten scoundrel in this region. And then he makes bank off of it. Yeah. And and Jesus is at, at his house right now. He's the most hated, rotten mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. And I mean, obviously we could all relate to why that would make us feel ticked off too, mm-hmm. you know, if it, but... It's what Jesus came to this earth for. Yes. He he came to reach out in that way. Yeah. And it's a really cool thing to see. Mm-hmm. And I, I always imagine the next thing said in this scene to be done um, at the dinner table that night. And it very well might have. I, I kind of read it both ways. But it appears that... Um, it almost read to me like he came down from the tree, they're grumbling at him because he's a sinner and a tax collector, and he, he makes this immediate decision. Mm. He says in verse 8, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And what, I mean, the clear thing that that we see in this is that Zacchaeus makes... A, a definitive decision in his heart. It, it seemed to me to almost read it. He did it right coming out of the tree, um, but he, it could have been at the the house that night. Either way, but it really stuck out to me that Zacchaeus. This this was something he made his mind up immediately. Yeah. When Jesus looked at him, he said, "I'm coming to your house to eat tonight." Zacchaeus. It seemed to me reading that that he made an instant decision. Yes. Yes, Lord. I'm on board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just really, I thought that was a really cool thing because um, a little bit later, I'm going to touch on the fact that, that not all rich people do that. And it was a really cool thing to see Zacchaeus' heart. He's like, yeah, I know who I am, but mm-hmm. I know who you are. Yeah. And I say yes to that. Yeah. So yeah, it was really cool. Well, it is because, I mean, whether it's moments, minutes, or hours, it's a really quick turnaround from yeah. where he was to where now he's going to be. And I think it's so neat to just like have that Jesus experience and then all of a sudden come out of that going, I'm changed. Yeah. With the only information Zacchaeus has, which is that Jesus is the one, and the one is standing in front of him, mm-hmm. he makes this immediate commitment, um, and Jesus' next response is, is really what brings the story together <laughs> yeah. to him. <laughs> yeah, that's like the mic drop moment. Yeah, they always are with Jesus. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Jesus says to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Mm-hmm. And so um, Jesus, he says, yeah, that's the type of heart that gets salvation right mm-hmm. there. What really stands out to me in this final dialogue between Jesus and Zacchaeus is what brought salvation. Obviously, uh, the salvation came through Jesus himself here, but the actions and words of Zacchaeus are what caused Jesus to say, today salvation has come to this house. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened was that Zacchaeus had put his whole trust in Jesus. He was being accused by the crowds. He had been living a life of selfishness and greed. He was the last person that most would consider to be worthy of salvation. Yeah. And but and he considered all of these things and finding Jesus more valuable than all all of those things. He chose Jesus over everything else. And I'm reminded of that parable in Matthew 13:44 where Jesus says, "The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, 
and in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I thought about with Zacchaeus. He's yeah. like, all of this stuff, I'm, I weigh it in the scales now. I make this decision now. You're more precious than that. Yeah. I wrote nearly the same thing down because in Luke 15, it says in 1 and 2, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, uh, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And then from that chapter on, Jesus tells three parables about losing something precious, like a lost sheep, a lost coin, and then the lost son. And uh, as he says, the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. It's like the 99. I left the 99 to get the one. And here is a Jewish man who is so reviled that if you had gone around that whole region and pulled, who could Jesus impact today that you would never expect? Zacchaeus would have been at the top of the list. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely would have. I mean, he was he was despised by everyone. He was a very selfish person. Mm-hmm. He was someone that we would look at right now. There's people that are politicians. There's people who are in the spotlight that we look at, and they we say they don't act right. They don't this and that. Those are the type of people that God will will accept if they give repentance, just like Zacchaeus does here. Yeah, and I feel bad because at times I look at somebody and I go, they're beyond God's reach. Yeah, they're beyond salvation. I think we all have, yeah. yeah, and it. I mean, honestly, that almost causes me to tear up because there is no one out of reach of the redemptive, reckless love of God. That is true. Yeah. And Zacchaeus was that guy in their day. And uh, I I couldn't help but contrast uh, what happened with Zacchaeus with what happened to the rich young ruler mm-hmm. that um, that we find in Scripture, too. They're, they were both um, very wealthy. And I know it's not the case with all wealthy people, but people with extraordinary wealth will oftentimes find so much contentment in their ability to satisfy everything they want and desire by their own capacity um, that they either miss the value of spiritual things altogether or they'll weigh the costs and they'll choose their comfort and false security of their wealth over the only thing that money can't buy, Mm -hmm. which is salvation. And we saw that with the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. He was very interested in what Jesus had to offer. But when the interest approached a decision that threatened what was most important to him, he chose the temporal security over the life-changing salvation that comes through Jesus. Mm. And Zacchaeus, he weighed the costs. He made a wise decision that ended up changing his desires completely. And that's one thing I've always wondered about with those who choose this world over Jesus. I wonder if they really understood what the decision for God really does. I imagine that they feel their only joy is being threatened. Like, if I make this decision, then what brings me joy will be done away with. Mm -hmm. But little do they know that their heart and joy changes after being born Mm -hmm. again. Uh, What joy money might have brought them before, that'll be trivial in comparison to the new joy God puts in their hearts after becoming a new creation. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's interesting to see the the choice factor in the mix and uh, I just I re- it's really cool to see that Zacchaeus might have been this rotten dude, but he he sure did make that change when he met Jesus face to face. He said, "I'm going for that." Yeah, yeah, because I I can find salvation in nothing but that. Yes, and he saw that. Yeah, and it's interesting that you contrast him with the 
the rich young ruler because both had very different outcomes where yeah. one went away sad for his wealth kind of owned him. Yeah. And then uh, Zacchaeus, one commentator pointed out that his life was like a life of paradoxes because he was a rich man who was very poor spiritually. Mm-hmm. But at the end of his story, he was a lot <laughs> less rich and he was a lot more rich spiritually. I mean, to the point yeah. where it just like, it flipped and a, and a switch flipped for him. And the fact that Jesus says now he's shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. I mean, can you imagine like the feeling that Zacchaeus had in his heart where he goes, no, you don't understand. I've rejected everything about the Jewish person in me to become what I've become. And now Jesus says, no, you're back. And not only are you in the fold, you are my son. Yeah. And You're that's a son of God. That's one of the reasons I think Luke recorded this is mm-hmm. because his audience was the non-Jewish people. Yeah. And that that whole idea of being grafted in, I think mm-hmm. this really falls under that category. Yeah, the redemptiveness of yes, it. Yes, exactly. You yeah. know, and we never want to get anyone confused about like, well, salvation came because he did give up some of his money and he repaid. Yeah. No, that was a byproduct. That was fruit yeah. uh, out of his salvation. That was the faith and works James talks yeah, about. Yeah, it was it's, equal parts James, equal parts Abraham, because yeah. uh, even Romans says, uh, and Abraham was justified. And, and that's why, that's one thing I love about this, because it shows that one isn't without without the other. Exactly. A, a faith that hasn't changed you is a faith that hasn't saved you. Mm-hmm. And so it's they, they go together. They're not separate, and yep. you see the fruit of it. It's the evidence of his actions that changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because, you know, if Zacchaeus had said, hey, I give my heart to Jesus, and then kept on going about and didn't have that fruit that showed up, yeah, it wasn't real. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's really cool to see it. Yeah, and someone pointed out that while he was short, he's also like every single other person in terms of their spirituality, that we all fall short. Nice. You know, that <laughs> everyone falls short of the glory of God and we've all sinned. And it's only by Jesus can we reach where he wants us to be, can yeah. we ascend in a sense. And I thought, well, that's a that's a stretch, but it's a good stretch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, got it, Dan. You got me. So that's did, good. This is kind of a neat thing. Uh, this is the only place in all of the Gospels where Jesus invited himself to be someone's guest really neat. Yeah. And I feel like it's reminiscent of Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And the word that he uses when he says, I must be a guest or I must abide in your house today is the same word that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, uh, where he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to dwell in your hearts by faith. And that word means to be very comfortable. So Jesus said, I'm coming to you today to dwell in you. That's really neat. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Jesus was saying a lot with this scene. Yeah. Ten verses has so much, and that's why I love profiles, because we get to unpack so much. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Yeah. I, and I love the repentance that he shows. Uh, we talked about it, the faith and obedience just married together and evident in what he does next. Yeah. It, it's awesome. I love the story because it's um, it shows Jesus' 
you know, heart and, and it gives us the gospel through this, through this story with Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even then his actions, it's kind of interesting because according to Jewish law, he might've only had to pay back what he took plus one fifth or plus 20%. There's another place where if he took animals, then he's supposed to pay back fourfold. And I feel like at this point he goes, you know what? I'm just going to do the extreme. I'm giving everybody back four times if I took anything that I'm not supposed to, and I'm going to give half my money to the poor right off the bat. Yeah, he was leaving no room for, I mean, he was erring on the side of caution to say it lightly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He wanted no mistake the decision he was making. Mm -hmm. And and again, this is something that God put on his heart. This is something that he declared, and it's not a formula but I think it's a great example. Yeah, it really is. Of a changed life. It is. And and we all must be honest with ourselves with, with that thing that for Zacchaeus, it, he was a wealthy dude, just mm-hmm. like the rich young ruler. Their thing was money. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, it might be something different. And so that we all got to weigh those costs in our hearts. If we ever, I, I think it's Timothy Keller uh, says, idolatry is anything we put in the place of, of where God belongs. And so these things can sneak back into our lives. It would have been money for Zacchaeus. It might be something different for us, mm-hmm. but that's that's something we have to keep weight in the balances. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't have a ton more, but I had a couple of questions that I felt like were applications that I wanted to ask myself going into this. One of the first ones was, uh, has my life changed or continued to change since I received Christ into my heart? And I feel like that's just a good spiritual inventory question, because like you said, if your faith hasn't changed you, then has your faith saved you? Mm -hmm. You know, and I want to, in being truthful with myself, do I look different than the world? Yeah. Is there something that's different? Do I have that relationship with God? Am I praying? And it's not about works, but it's about just going, hey, how is my relationship between myself and the Lord? Yeah, And then this was um, kind of a real soft spot for me. Like it touched a nerve. Um, am I the disgruntled crowd when someone else gets saved or when someone that I don't expect like that God could reach that they come about, mm. you know, because I mean, the Pharisees are sitting there going, you know, no, this guy doesn't deserve Jesus' attention or Jesus, yeah. you know, he shouldn't be hanging around with him. Yeah. And I know that in my judginess, I can be like that person. What are the, you know? I don't. I don't. I don't believe them, yeah. because how many people might have looked at Zacchaeus and gone, "I don't. I don't think this is real." Yeah, you know. Well, we we had mentioned an episode a while back about Kanye West and mm-hmm. that, and that man, he had a lot of haters, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people that said, "Hey, man, God can save anybody." Yes, that's kind of that yeah. thing. Yeah, and I, I mean, I still want that heart. I want that heart that says God can change anyone. Yeah, and, and I'm trying to think of somebody, and I'm not going to give an example now because uh, I just I don't want to say like, well, I think that person's terrible, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I want to have that heart to where I pray for salvation for someone who I believe is, in my mind, unreachable, but in God's scope of this world, no one is. Yeah, that's very true. And I love what the pastor of a church I've been to says when talking about the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd leaving the 99 to search for the one, he asked the question, how have I joined the search? Oh yeah. How have I gone out to look for the one? And and he's not trying to do the job of Jesus necessarily. He's saying, hey, am I out there being an ambassador? Yeah. Well, when Jesus left... He, he he put us in charge. Along. Yeah. So we, yeah. that's a great it's a great thing to ask yourself how how are how am I 
um, contributing to reaching out for mm-hmm. the lost sheep out there. Yeah. And, and the world is is that. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. Sometimes I think we get the idea, and I fall in this too, that that the church is God's and the world is Satan's. Mm-hmm. That we're supposed to be out there doing that whole one for the ninety nine outreach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. that's God wants human beings to Himself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Well, that's pretty much it, guys. Uh, like we said, the story can be read in less than a minute. The only other thing that I had about Zacchaeus that I found was interesting, it's an extra biblical source, but uh, some have pointed out that Zacchaeus is mentioned in the Clementine of Homilies, or Clementine Hol- <laughs> Yeah, we'll just leave it alone. But as, I don't as, like hummus. <laughs> is, is penned as having been a companion of Peter himself and appointed Bishop of Caesarea. And that is a very interesting thing to ponder. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But I, you know, I found with a lot of, even if it's extra biblical, they recorded history. A lot of times, you can find some truth in that, and that's really an awesome thing to think about. If it happened, that I mean, we know that he gave his life to Jesus. Jesus confirmed that. Mm. A lot of times, we think we don't know the heart. Well, Jesus told us the heart. Salvation had come to that house that yes. day. Yeah. And so we know that he was a godly man. And man, that would have been really cool if if he had. Uh, he was a companion of Peter after that right and appointed a bishop of Caesarea yeah that's not the first time we've heard that kind of story where exactly. it's like somebody went on to become a, a bishop or Apollos. A, yeah, yeah exactly several of them mm-hmm. so that's a really that's a really cool thing to think about they should do a movie on it <laughs> that would be neat <laughs> I mean but in the Hollywood version he'd be like climbing a really tall tree like yeah <laughs> it'd be like Jack and the Beanstalk yeah exactly <laughs> and Jesus I don't know that's great. Well, guys, that's pretty much it. That's the uh, the story of Zacchaeus, and um, I just love how it, it so clearly gives us the gospel and the in the whole thing. And we really hope you enjoyed it, listeners, and we're able to take a lot away from it because it's you know the whole thing is still something that rings true even two thousand years after the story was penned. And if you are a Zacchaeus out there. You should know that Jesus has paid a price so that you can know him also. And we would highly encourage you to accept that friend request. It truly is the best decision you could ever make. Hmm. Yeah, amen. And if that's something that you want to do, then we invite you to go to our website. There's a tab that says no God and you know you can follow those instructions you can follow those steps and you can reach out to us as well because we want to walk with you through this journey of salvation Um, but everything's there and you know and then of course we want to have a dialogue with you to help you along in your faith and so uh, if this is a decision that you're deciding to make where Jesus has reached out and he's seeking and saving that which was lost then let us know send us a Facebook message, send us a direct message uh, on Facebook, um, or send us an email at connect at basnakebird.com. We want to hear from you. And uh, man, we would rejoice if that's the step that you're taking today. Absolutely. Maybe you're at that moment right now that Zacchaeus was in where he was running down the street to climb up on that tree to get a better look because he had this feeling he needed to meet Jesus. Yeah, That could be the Holy Spirit coming alongside you. I dare to say that is the Holy Spirit coming alongside you. And the neat thing is, as much as Jesus knew Zacchaeus, he knows you. He does. And he's calling you. Yeah. This this is no accident that you're hearing this. Uh, God makes divine appointments all the time. He did with Zacchaeus that day. 
Today he does it for you. Today is the day of salvation. So mm-hmm. we highly encourage that. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're listening and you just have anything that you'd like to communicate with us about, whether it's a topic that you'd like us to talk about or a prayer request, or you're going through some some things and you have questions, whatever it might be, also follow those steps and reach out to us uh, using those platforms. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And if, if you find it in your heart to, if this podcast has affected you, if, if you're enjoying it, growing from it, uh, give us a review or rating on the platform you listen on. It really helps push the show out there. Not about numbers. We always say that, but it really does help the show go out there. we got people listening in, in other countries. Mm-hmm. You never know who needs to hear something. And uh, so if it's benefited you, please uh, pay it forward. Yes, and thank you for being faithful listeners. It's Absolutely. really awesome. So that's Zacchaeus. Short guy. Uh, <laughs> the wee little man. <laughs> yeah. I can't say that Jesus made him grow any through his salvation, but man, did he make his heart grow. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he did get taller. His faith grew. There's miracles in the Bible. Oh, man, that's just what I should have said. I felt like I went with the Grinch, like his heart grew three times three larger. Three times larger. Yeah. <laughs> I like the Grinch, too. Okay. <laughs> so, Snakebirds, always remember, whatever you do. Wherever you go. No matter what life throws at you. There's never been a better time to climb a tree to see Jesus. And be, be a Snakebird. Snake bird.